0: so glad you could join us for the mornings at YCBC today. We want to thank you for being a part of our online family, and we hope that this message encourages you, blesses you, and helps you grow in your walk with Him. So let's get into the Word. Morning, guys. Isn't God good? It's what we just sang, but He's good, eh? He's really good. And uh, Pam and I are actually really blessed to be with you guys. its I'd like to say it's a bit of a God thing that we're here. I actually really do believe that... Um, you know, the kingdom of God is, is just made up of brothers and sisters. And it says that when brothers and sisters dwell in unity, he commands a blessing. And, you know, it was a couple of weeks ago, Nick called me up and said, can we have coffee? And uh, we didn't really talk, to be honest with you. I've known him. I've, I've seen him around. And we have caught up. Yeah, we caught up and had a coffee. And you know what the best thing about having that coffee was? There was absolutely no agenda. There was no agenda. We just sat, sat and traders actually, and we just talked because where else would you go in yes? <laughs> you know, we just sat and talked about the things of God. And at the end, of it, he said, "I'm actually on holiday. Would you come and share? Would you come across and share?" Now, God really put a message on my heart for for the church, and He put it on my heart back in August. And I, supernaturally, God has been inviting us to various churches to share this message on rest. Everybody likes to rest. It's holiday time, isn't it? So I'm going to get to that in a moment. But I, I'd just like to, I don't know if you can pop up that little picture that I, uh, I had there, is it? I just want to talk as family. So I really felt, we have a, we've got a picture of our family. That's, that's my family. That's Pam and I. Um, over in the, the top left-hand corner, that's our eldest daughter, Siobhan, and her husband, Chi. And they're two children. Down the bottom corner is our son Daniel and his wife. And they three children. And this is our youngest daughter who still lives at home. That's Jessica. And they're a lovely smiling bunch, aren't they? Isn't it a lovely smiling bunch. But you know, that is the grace of God that we are still all here together in Australia. And I stand here today as a trophy of grace. And I share the reason I can rest as a son because I used to... Get up pictures, and I'd put up a picture up there of what I used to do. You know, I was a very important person. I was a chief inspector in the British police. Very important. I was a hero in work, but I was a real zero at home. I actually had, you know, at home, I, I really was a, I was, I was a pain, to be perfectly honest. I was actually an inconvenience. And I had three beautiful children. I actually had two before I got saved. I was a born again heathen up until the age of 36. And at 36, I encountered Jesus Christ, eight years after Pam. She spent a lot of time on her knees, along with a whole bunch of other people. But I didn't need Jesus. Do you know, when Pam got saved, she came home from church that night, and I came home from work, and she said to me, Keith, the best thing that ever has happened to me, happened to me. I met Jesus Christ. I said, Do you know what I said? I said, I'm the best thing. I married you. <laughs> How arrogant and ignorant is that, eh? But eight years, by the grace of God, we were actually at a Christian convention. How I got there, God did a number on me, and, and I took these people there. And Pam was actually pregnant with Jessica, and I thought I can go down to this meeting. I can, you know, I've got this God thing stuff because I always had the good answers. Pam would tell you, you know, she couldn't answer the questions when people asked us, "What are you going to do, you know, when you die? Where are you going to go?" I could give them the answer that they needed, but Pam. She just didn't know. So she sought out God and found him. And I tried to find God. Four years after Pam got saved, my father and father-in-law died within 20 hours of each other. And I went to a guy in this church that Pam was attending. And I said, mate, I've got all these issues in my life. Can you help me? He said, just pray, brother. and And he walked off. He didn't even offer to pray for me. And so I went harder for another four years. So I was a hard case. I say... I was in charge of 200 officers in a police station. I didn't need Jesus. But the night I went down to such this meeting, I don't even know what the guy was praying about. But he said, there's somebody here who's doing this, this, this. And he counted five things that were going on in my life right there. And then there was an altar call. And I, I remember getting up. I heard my friends say, Keith, I think you need to go down there and get some prayer. And I looked at this guy and he smiled at me. And I thought, okay, well, if you're smart at me and that means you're a friend, I'll go down and I'll see if God's real. And I remember saying to, to the Lord, I said, if you're real, God, the minute I step off this last step, somebody's going to ask my name and they're going, to read, they're going to read me. Anyway, I got off and this guy says, what's your name? I said, Keith. And he said, well, Keith, the Lord says you're doing this, 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 this. And you're doing this. And if you don't stop, you're gone. You're dead. I was floored that day i just gave my life to jesus i was baptized in the holy spirit that night i met jesus i had an encounter and i went back to work and i went back to work trying to share the gospel and people said what's the angle toddy what's the angle mate what are you trying to work here because that was the kind of guy i was i always had an angle so 2 years after that pam and i we were at the same thing we were at this thing called spring harvest and we're, we only had, we had Jess, who was only 18 months old, and the Lord spoke to us. We were in two different places. He said, I want you to go to Australia, because you might have picked up. I haven't quite got an Australian accent. <laughs> Within 10 weeks, the Lord had brought us here. We started seeking for a while, and in '99, it took 10 weeks to get us here, and we came to an organization which some of you are familiar with, I know, and some of you may not be, but it's Youth with a Mission. And we only came for six months. Because I was going back to police work and Pam and I had a deal before I was saved. I earned a lot of money and she spent it. That was the deal in our family. We didn't know who we were. We hadn't got a clue. So we came to Australia. And do you know what was in my mind? God's called me to Australia. I'm going to save all them Australians. (laughs) Really? Really? I'd only got there and we'd only been in the place about two weeks. And God said, Keith, I'm going to take an excavator to your life if you'll let me. And I thought two things. An excavator is, digs deep, and it sounds painful. And you know what? 20 years on, yes, it was, but I wouldn't have it any other way. And the reason I'm, I'm sharing this, this sort of journey with us is that God led us into healing and restoration. When we were in the Philippines, we have been in Youth with a Mission for six months, and we are in the Philippines, and God gave us the, the scripture, Isaiah 61. He said, this is your call for the rest of your life. And we came back promptly from... From that outreach with youth of the mission, and Pam were closer. Pam and I were closer to divorce than we'd ever been in our lives, because every issue was getting pressed. And we said to these guys, "We're going back to England because we didn't have these problems when we came here. You know, we only got them when we came over here. So there must be. So we're going back." And this courageous man said, "Keith, he said, you can choose to run from them, but problems are geographical. They're going to follow you." And that was one of the best things that someone had ever said in my life that had the honesty to actually confront me. Because my life was a mess. Even though I'd given my life and my spirit was renewed, my soul was still leading my life around. My emotions were still leading my life and leading my family. You know, when we were in Youth of the Mission, we were told to have a family devotional. I didn't even know what one of them was. Have a family devotional. What's that? Oh, well, you get together and you pray as a family. So I lined up my kids on the seat and I lined up I said, right, we're going to have a family devotional. Because I was still running my house like a police station. You know, I was a hero at work and a zero at home. But you see, the Lord didn't leave me that way. The grace of God was on me. And as I started dealing with my issues, because I was a performer, I had more faces than the town hall clock. I could perform. If I I was in work, I could perform that way. If I came home, I could perform. And becoming a Christian, I just started to perform how a Christian should perform. Go to church, raise your hands, sing the songs, say the good words. And then then Pam and I ended up pastoring a church. But I was pastoring it out of performance. It was all about me getting the right words and singing the right songs and preaching the right words to bring the emotions and get people saved and it went on and on like this and it was crazy and in 2006 i remember god speaking to me he said i want you to discover what it is to be a son and i scratched the surface of it and i played around with it but i didn't really connect with it because it was too hard i was i was scared because i couldn't rest as a son but that picture shows you i'm a grandfather i'm a father i'm a brother i'm a i'm a you know i'm a husband but I'm a son. I'm a son. I'm a king's son. And each one of us here, you know, I'm the bride of Christ, so lady, you forgive me if I, I say you're a son? But we all have a spirit of sonship that rests upon us. And so I couldn't quite get there. But everything changed around in 2012. You see, Pam and I ended up at another church. We were pastoring in Canberra, a large Pentecostal church. It was growing. It went from a few people... So close to 300 in the mornings and 75. Now, that's big for Canberra. If you know what Canberra's like, that's a big church in Canberra. And we're doing this thing. And then in 2012, our son gets admitted, Daniel. He gets admitted back into a psych ward. He's had a bit of a journey with mental health. And praise God, he's well now. And God has set him free. But he was on this journey of mental health. And I was working in mental health as well as pastoring, I was running an organization called OzHelp, which was working with men in the building industry to help them with their mental health and with suicide prevention. And here we are in 2012, he gets admitted. And then I'm about to preach that Sunday and I get a phone call from the hospital and says, your son's gone for a walk. I said, please don't let him out. Oh no, he's fine. He's got a job in Darwin. There was this junior doctor. Anyway, I handed it over to someone else, we took off me and another guy, we got to We got to Goulburn and he'd gone missing, and he went missing for five days. We didn't know whether he was dead or alive, but the Lord said, "He is safe." There were three words that transformed my life and turned, turned our ministry upside down. We've been involved in healing ministry since we've been here. And yet these three words: "He is safe. I had a choice. Am I going to trust my dad, or am I actually going to worry and panic? I chose to trust my dad. And then Dan was found and he was a mess. And for a year, we had to look after him. So I couldn't work. So I've been used to earning quite a bit of money and putting it into Bethany Healing Foundation, which is something we established in 2006 to see the healing and restoration come to this nation and to Asia. And we we spend a lot of time with the people who've had long-term issues. So I was paying the money and putting it into the bank account of Bethany, and I was doing a great work. But that was all me. And after a year of looking after him, we had $400 left in the bank. And I remember going up onto the paddock of our property, which is between Murrumbateman and and Gundaroo, and we've got a cross there, and I remember crying out to God and saying, God, I can't do this anymore. And my dad said, move over, son, and see what I can do. And he said, I'm calling you and Pam to be mum and dad to many and to go around and share a message of hope. And to see healing and restoration, he said, but you need to know what it's like to be a son. And within a week, I haven't got time today, but in a week he turned everything around, including a businessman who stepped, called me up and said, Keith, I want to pay your mortgage for the next five years on your foundation. The Lord's told me to. That's God's provision. That was God's blessing. And in that 12 months, I realized that I nothing was mine. We sang a song there. I surrendered everything and I laid it down. And God started to turn things upside down. And last year, he said, at the beginning of this year, last year, end of last year, beginning of this year, he said, you're going to see Luke 4.18 and Isaiah 61 come into play far more than you've ever seen it. You're going to see greater victory. And so we went to a conference that year, and a guy spoke to both Pam and I, and he said two things to me. He said, you need to rest, Keith. You need to rest. That was one thing that turned us upside down. And the other thing he said to both of us, that we would see the enemy baring his teeth and we would see it was just mere mockery and mist. And we've seen victory. We've seen people healed. I've seen arms and legs grow. I've seen people set free of all sorts of issues, demonic issues, completely set free. And yet he said, you're going to see something as you rest in me. So I just want to share a few things about rest this morning. You see... We're called to rule and reign, aren't we? It says in the word of God that we're to go from victory to victory, line upon line, glory to glory. That's what it says. But I don't know about you. It might be just me. I seem to go up there and then I'm all in a valley. And I'm up here and I'm in a valley. And I'm up here and I'm in a valley. But I decided to put a line under that. And I noticed that that diagram drew a crown. It's not about being in the valley. Being in a valley is not a problem. It's what we do when we're in that valley with God. We need to rest in that valley. So it's, it's about resting, you see. Resting in God is not about sleep. The Bible has a lot to say about wake up, O sleeper. And I believe that we're in a time right now in this nation where we need to wake up. We need to wake up and stand up for, for what God wants. In Ephesians 5.14 says, wake up, O sleeper. Isaiah 51.17, wake up, O sleeper. But you see, what I've discovered about rest is we can only have the victory over the storm that we can rest in. We can only have the victory over the battle that we can rest in. You know, Jesus was on a boat when he was having a... Some say he was having a snooze at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. And the storm kicked in. And the storm raged up. And as this storm was flaring up, the disciples did what? They just said, praise the Lord, this storm's going to be okay. No, they ran to Jesus said, Jesus, wake up. Wake up, Jesus. Have you forgotten us? We're going to die. We're going to die. And Jesus got up. And it was in Luke 8, 22 and 25. He got up and he said this, Be quiet, be still. And the storm just went quiet. See, Jesus had great authority over a storm. And the reason he had great authority is he was resting in that storm. Because he knew his dad would take care of him. He knew that his dad had his back. So he could rest in that storm. Sometimes the only storm that we, we can rest over is our own emotions. For me, I couldn't even rest and have rest in my own emotions. I couldn't even battle my own emotions because they rule me and they drag me around. But you see, as I started to think about this resting over this last year, I realized I was, doing, I was running around trying to find out how to rest. When all I needed to do was rest. So I started to rest. And here's three things I'd just like to share with you today. The first one is about resting in his presence and his identity. His identity, our identity as a child of God. Each one of us is a child of God. That was the very first song we sang this morning. No collusion. But I know that God says we are a child of God. And in Psalm 91 verses 1 and 2 it says this in the Amplified He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall remain stable and fixed under the shadow of the Almighty, whose power no foe can withstand. I would say of the Lord, he is my refuge and he is my fortress. My God, on him I lean, I rely, and I confidently trust. You see, that's about being in the valley, but that's about being in a secret place with Dad. I learned over this last, this last six years, and particularly this last year, as we rest in that secret place with Dad, nothing can come against us. Nothing can actually take us out. So I needed to learn how to rest in that. And the other thing that I like about that resting in there is that's where Papa shares his secrets with me. You see, I can't come out and do what I do, and Pam and I can't go and do ministry unless we spend time with our Dad. The more time we spend with our Dad... The more he seems to do. That's the crazy thing. That's the that's God's economy upside down, isn't it? It says if we want to live, we've got to die. You know, if we want more, then we've got to give away. But he's saying, come into that secret place with me. You see, the victory comes from when when we rest in that secret place, when we rest in his presence. This year, Pam and I have had a mum and dad, a spiritual mum and dad in Australia, since the year after we arrived here. We met this couple who have walked alongside us through thick and thin. They were in the 70s, and this guy, he challenged me when I first met him. He took me to his house, and I thought he was going to give me a nice cup of tea, and he did. He gave me a cup of tea, and then he started asking me all these questions, and I said, excuse me. He said, I'm a policeman. When I first met him, I was still a serving policeman. I said, you're interrogating me. What are you doing? I said, I do that for a living. He said, well, the Lord told me that you're going to work with some really difficult stuff, especially in terms of Isaiah 61. And the Lord told me that you're going to really deal with some difficult problems. And God's told me I've got to help you. And I wanted to make sure you weren't flaky and dodgy. He said, so I'm asking you these questions. He was checking me out. But you see, this year, my dad went to heaven. He, he, he went to heaven. Pam and I, his spiritual father, went in May. And it was a very quick thing. Everyone thought he'd live forever. His mum lived till 103. His uncle lived till 104 Everybody thought he was going to be there, including his wife. And to be honest with you, the last year of our relationship had shifted because something in my spirit had said to me, this guy's with you, but I I want him soon. And we talked about that. And then he got sick. And in a very short period of 10 days, he went to be with the Lord. And during that time, I could have panicked. I could have gone, everything's fallen apart because this guy has walked alongside me. I mean, he had our backs. When people were throwing stuff at us, he had our backs. But the Lord said, are you going to rest in this one? And so I started resting and we went to the hospital. Each day I'd go to the hospital. And he, he'd lost his speech. He'd lost everything. And people would be on this side of the bed and they'd be weeping and crying and grieving. And I'd be on this side and I'd start to read Psalm 23 to him. And his head would just move. Because even though his body had no faculties, his spirit was alive. And his spirit was resting in God and his spirit was connecting with my spirit, because, you know, John says, Father, that they would be one as you and I are one. And me and this guy had walked alongside each other for on 18 years. And our spirits were connected. And on the very last day, um, he was in the Clear Holland house. And Pam and I went to visit him and we were, we were praying. And I started to, again, read Psalm 23. God had spoken to me about reading this psalm, which is all about rest. It's rest in the valley. It's rest in, you know, even in the presence of your enemies, you can rest. And as I was reading it, verse by verse, at the end of each verse, there was this, "Ah, ah." each verse he responded from his spirit. And that day, Pam and I went, we went off to to get some food. And while we were in this this, uh, hotel having food, these feathers descended from heaven. Now, I don't go looking for signs and wonders, but these feathers just fell before us. And the Lord said, my presence is here with you. We went back to the hospice, and the room got full, so we stepped outside and some more feathers. They just descended and God's presence was so thick in that room. It was beautiful. And he went to be with the Lord. And it was just an amazing time of rest. You see, verse, 20, uh, verse 6 of 23 says this, So why should I fear the future? Your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. And after those days are through, I will return to your glorious presence forever. You see, we can rest in our identity as a, as a child of God. You know, Romans 8:19 says this. It says that the world is waiting for fantastic preachers. No, the world is waiting for the children of God to rise up. In fact, the Passion Translation says the world is waiting on tippy toes for the children of God to rise up. See, we can rest in our identity. If we rest in our identity as children of God, we know who our dad is. And so this, these last 20 years have all been about for me discovering who, who he is as my dad and who he is as, as the church's dad. And far too often I'd run around trying to impress my dad because that's what I had to do growing up. But now I don't have a dad that I have to impress. So we need to rest in his presence and his identity. Second thing I'd like to share with you this, this morning is that we need to rest in his perspective and rest in his character. See, God is good. The Word says God is good, and God is good all the time. We can rest in His character. His character is always about kindness and mercy and good. It's not about actually bashing you up. And you know, for years, I used to bash myself up. I don't know about you, I'd speak negatively about myself because i get thoughts that will come into my mind. You're useless, Keith. You're not going to get here, Keith. Who do you think you are, Keith? And I used to agree with those things. But you know, what? the enemy comes to lie, steal, kill and destroy. So anything that has a nature of lying, killing, stealing or destroying, that's not from dad. That's not from our God. So I've learned, I've learned this thing. If I have those sort of thoughts now, do you know what? I have another thought. I have another thought. If you're getting those thoughts coming in your mind that are of that nature, they're bad thoughts, they're not from dad because he came, he sent his son Jesus to be, give us life and life to the full. So we need to start actually agreeing with God's assessment of who we are. You know, David, I love the, I love the story of David. You know, David, is, he says, was a man after God's own heart. He blew it on many occasions. But you remember when he was a little boy and the battlefield's there and there's Goliath out there and they're all scared of this huge giant. And David comes trotting up with a lunchbox for his brothers. eh? He comes uh, onto the battlefield, here's the lunchbox. And one of his brothers says, what are you doing here? Why have you come? Have you come to watch? But in in 1 Samuel 17, 26, David stands up. He stands up against Goliath and he says this. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? You know, uncircumcised Philistine had nothing to do with his, his bodily form it was all to do with David's covenant relationship with his dad see David agreed with what his dad said about him that's why he said he's a man after his own heart you see the battle is for the heart you know this this is the thing that that the enemy wants to take and many of us over years for me I'd have pieces of my heart that I'd had ripped out because of stuff that I haven't got time to share today I'd had stuff just ripped out I'd given parts of my heart away Remember I said earlier that the guy named those six things, and I had to deal with all these things in my life to become that trophy of grace. God wants a whole heart. He wants us to seek him with his whole heart, not our brains, but our whole heart. So Romans 8, verse 1, says that the case is closed. In the Passion Translation, the case is closed. That appealed to me being an ex police officer. The case is closed. There's no case to answer. There is no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. Yeah, how often do we, we do something and go, oh, I'm an idiot, oh, I'm this. There's no condemnation. We need to start agreeing with what Papa says about us, that we are his kids and he loves us. You see, God doesn't make junk. Something I've discovered over these last few years is God does not make junk. He created us in whose image? In his own image. He's not junk and he doesn't make junk. And you know, even the people on the street, God over these last few years has given me eyes to see people, you know, no matter what they look like on the exterior, eyes to see them for who they really are. You see, he created every one of them, whether they know him or not. And God wants us to see that. He wants us to actually start to agree with his assessment of us and uh, and his assessment of those people out there. You know, my sister was sharing, there was a hundred people watching Toy Story. Many of them didn't know Jesus, eh? but we can see them the way God created them. Each one of those hundred people watching that movie was created by our dad. And he wants us to have that perspective. One of the scriptures that the Lord gave me a number of years ago, and it's only been in these last few years that I've stepped into, it's out of Revelation one. Revelation one says, There before me stood an open door in heaven, And I heard a voice that was Jesus saying, come up here and I'll show you how it's going to be. And again, going up there with him and spending more time with him is where we get perspective. We get perspective, we can hear from him and we can come out and take risks for him. But we need to spend more time with him. You see, that's where the resting place is. The resting place is in the secret place with him. Psalm 91, which I read before, verses 9 and 10 say this. Because you have made the Lord your refuge and the most high your dwelling place, no evil will befall you you, and no plague or calamity come near you. You shall tread on the lion and the young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. And I will set him on high because he knows and he understands my name. Has personal knowledge of my mercy, my love, my kindness, My trust, he trusts and relies on me, knowing that I will never forsake him, no, never. He shall call on me and I will answer him, and in times of trouble I will honor him, and with a long life I will show him my salvation. There's a whole bunch of issues that we can stand on if we would make the Lord God our refuge and have that perspective of his. He's the one who walks with us and he's the one who calls us into this. You see, final thing that the Lord said to me was, rest in your calling. You know, it says in Ephesians that we are God's masterpiece. We're God's masterpiece. Or in another version it says we are God's poetry. I never used to read poetry, but you know there's some amazing beauty in poetry. So we're his masterpiece, we're his poetry, created in a, to do good works in advance. I used to run around looking for all the good works to do. But it says that we are created... And he has provided the good works in advance. We used to run around asking people to, you know, can we just come to your church and do some some uh, inner healing training? Because we, we run all sorts of training to raise up the body, to enable them to pray and deal with issues. But we don't have to do that anymore. Because I, I, I determined in my heart to agree with God. God, you have called me. You have called me and Pam. You called us to be a, a blessing to the body of Christ because you have blessed us. And so as I rest on that, I determine these things. The Lord said, would you go where I tell you to go? Would you say what I tell you to say? and Would you do what I tell you to do? And I agreed with that. And then I suddenly realized somebody else did that. And if Jesus did that with his dad, I thought that's a good model. Because if it was good enough for Jesus only to do what he, his dad told him to do, to say what he did and go where he, he wanted him to go, then we didn't. And do you know the rest that came out of that was just amazing. And we have started to rest in that. Pam and I are just, you know, allowing ourselves to rest in that calling. And as we've, we agree with him, we rest in his identity for us, we rest in his presence and agree with his, his whole being and what he says, then we just allow ourselves the space to spend more time with our dad. I was looking for Isaiah 41. To share, And I came across Isaiah 40, verse 10. I was actually looking for Isaiah 41. But I'm going to read them both because 40 says this. Look, here comes Yahweh, a victorious warrior. He triumphs with his awesome power. Watch, he brings his reward and his spoils of victory he gives to his people, his children. He's given it to us. We don't have to run around. He says, I'm coming to bring it. So as we just do what he says, he does that. But I will read Isaiah 41, verse 10. It says this. Do not yield to fear, for I am always near. Never turn your gaze from me. I am your faithful God. I will infuse you with my strength and help you in every situation. I will infuse you with my strength and I will help you in every situation. And you know, Pam's my beautiful English rose. She's she's an English girl through and through. You can bring her to Australia, but you can't take the England out of an English girl. She loves tea. She loves tea. Don't give her a coffee. She loves tea. And I was singing you, know, you know, as you drop a tea bag into the tea, it infuses the water. It starts to come out and infuse the water. And you know, as as the children of God walking around, we're not called to let the world infuse us. We can walk into the the center of yes, and we can just infuse people for who we are. No, just by the mere fact that I'm a, I'm a king's kid. My dad loves me, and I want to share that love. See, I used to try and share a whole bunch of things over many years. But all we do now is just go and share the love of Christ. Because God loves us so much. He wants the world to know those, those children of God standing on tippy toes. Those people in the world are standing on tippy toes looking for the children of God. And I want to say to you today, we just need to rise up as the family of God, as the children of God. We want to know who our dad is, not from our head, but from our heart. You know, just as I finished, I said that word that we were given last year, that we would see the enemy's teeth and see them become just like me and mist and go away. Um, Part of this resting, as we've rested, um, we got a phone call about, getting on for about 10 months ago now, from an Anglican minister and he said, Keith, I was just about to ring somebody for help and the Holy Spirit told me to ring and talk to you. Said, yeah. Now, the strange thing about that is that Pam and I were sent out by an Anglican church in the UK. And yet we've been involved in the Pentecostal church for many years. And this Anglican minister just rings me and says, can I talk to you about this issue? And he started to talk to me about this thing and he said, it's not me. He said, it's another, it's another country town. And the Anglican minister there, she's just gone there and been confronted by this whole power of a a coven. And she's really having trouble. So long story short, I end up speaking to this lady on the phone, Pam, myself, and another lady who's who's part of our team. We end up praying for this Anglican minister. And we we go over to this place, which is about three hours' drive from here. And this lady is there, and she was very high up in this, this coven. And we ended up praying with her. And the long, the long story of it made short sure was she gets free. She gets completely free. And she leaves this whole bunch of horrible stuff glorifying God. And the next minute we, we get invited to go over there and share some inner healing training. And we've raised up a church that is now cleared out of all that rubbish. Because the Anglican church was actually established on some of that junk. But remember, God doesn't make junk. And he doesn't want us to be around, young. So he started clearing this place out. And we saw the enemy's teeth in the middle of that, middle of that encounter. And yet our dad just came through in a way we've never seen. We pray with a lot of people and we have prayed with a lot of people over many years. And some, you know, people get free, but sometimes it's a long journey. This happened in a very short time. And so I believe that this time we're in right now, God's starting to stare up. He's starting to stir up his children to have more of him. I'd just like to, to share one last scripture. I'd like to pray. Is that all right? Because I'll just have some words that I, I would like to pray over as a congregation. Beginning of this year, God, God spoke to us about this valley. In fact, over this, over this last four years, I have been praying over this valley and praying for God connections. And I really believe that when Nick called me up out of the blue, said, can we have a coffee? God is uniting his brothers and sisters in this valley. And there's something going on and there's a wind staring in this valley. You see, when we came from the UK, there was a lady who gave us a picture that God had given her. We still don't know who this lady is because she dropped it through our doorstep. Um, She dropped it with some money because God had told us to support us for three years. I thought that was crazy because we were only coming for six months. But here we are 20 years later. You know, and... This picture was of thousands of sheep, as she described it, on a prairie. I don't know if we have prairies in Australia, but anyway. Thousands of sheep and one man on a horse, which was Jesus Christ. She said, that's the church in Australia. Jesus is coming back for one church in Australia. Unity. Unity in the church. And healing and restoration that is going to sweep through. So I've been praying over this valley and I've had the privilege to, to speak, you know, the dry bones into life in the spirit. But God seems to be uniting people and connecting people supernaturally. And he said this at the beginning of the year out of Isaiah 57. I'm going to read it out of the passion. It says here. Yahweh says, Let my people return to me. Build up, build up the road, clear the way, get it ready, remove the obstacles from their path. For this is what the high and majestic one says, who fills the eternal realm with glory, whose name is holy. I dwell in holy places, but also I dwell with those who are bruised and lowly in spirit, those who are humble and quick to repent. I will dwell with them to revive the spirit of the humble, to revive the heart of those who are broken over their sin. You will not find me continually accusing them or holding my anger against them. Lest they feel defeated and lose heart before me. For I am the one who gave breath of life to my people. I am the one who gave life to my people. God's saying right there that he doesn't bash us over the head in case we feel defeated. So why do we bash ourselves over the head, people? Why? God wants us to know our identity. He wants us to rest in our identity in him and in his presence. He wants wants us to rest in the assessment that God has over us. And in his presence. And he also wants us to rest in our calling because he will find things for you to do. we just got to chill in those and rest in them. Is it okay if I pray? It's all right. I always it's a good way. Lord, I just thank you for these precious folk. Lord, I, I thank you for the opportunity to share. Lord, I, I thank you that you... You love these guys so much, Lord. And there's an integral thing going on here, Lord, for the valley, Lord. I, I thank you for the Baptist church in yes, God, I, I thank you for these precious folk that came out this morning, God. And I, I know that you're not a God who disappoints. You're not a God who, who bashes us up. You're not a, because you're our dad and you love us so much. Lord, I just speak right now. I just want to speak the, the words that the Lord says that you, you're significant. You're significant, not for what you do, but for who you are. And I believe the Lord wants some people here today to know that. They want to know that, not in your head. You can read it and say, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. But in your heart, it's going, yeah, but this has happened and that has happened. and I've been hurt and I've been wounded. The Lord says today, it's time to lay those things down before the cross and be free. Be free. Be free because you are a child of God. I never intended those things to happen. I never wanted those things to happen, but we live in such a messed up world, but I'm coming to to revive you now. I'm coming to stir up all those promises you have, all those dreams that you had. Maybe I just feel that some people have laid down dreams that the Lord has spoken to you. He's spoken promises to you, and His promises are yes and they're amen. He is not a dad. would disappoint. He is not a God that he would lie. So you're significant. Second thing I really believe the Lord wants you to know today is that you're secure. You're secure in him. No weapon formed is going to prosper. There might be some weapons that have been formed, but when brothers and sisters dwell in unity, he commands a blessing. You know, the enemy just wants to get in and bring disunity and, and whisper things, but I believe that the Lord would say to you, you are unified. Do not let go of your unity. You are significant, you are secure, and you are called of God. There is not one person here from the person who's standing right now to, the, to these little children. You see, God says, come as little children, come with childlike faith. The world's waiting for people. You look around and the kids, you know, I'll love it when my grandson, I'll be, I'll be sharing the word and my grandson would run up and grab my leg. Because we need to come like that. We need to run up and grab our dad's leg, our, our heavenly father's leg. Because he says, come as children and you'll find me. So Lord, I just, I just right now I want to pray a blessing. I want to pray a blessing over these folk. I want to thank you, God, for who they are. They're faithful, Lord. They're, they're just... Yeah, Lord, just I bless you guys. Bless you spiritually, physically, emotionally. I bless you financially for the kingdom's purposes that he has for you. Where the spirit of the sovereign Lord is, there is freedom. And God is going to bring you a fresh freedom in this, in this season. There's a fresh freedom coming over this place in this season. Freedom to worship him like you've never worshipped him before. Freedom to be free. Those things that have hindered you and held you up will drop off. Because he loves, he loves you guys. So Lord, I thank you. I thank you for these folk. I just want to bless them and leave that blessing, Lord. You said that, Lord, when we're blessed, we just leave that blessing. We leave that, Lord. Here, because Pam and I, Lord, we're just... This is, this is like walking into a home, Lord, where people know us, even though we've never met these guys. But, Lord, there's a connection. Lord, because your word says in, in John, Lord, your desire is that we would be one as you and the Father were one, Jesus. That, Lord, we would be in you as, as you are in the Father and the Father is in you. So i bless them, Lord. Leave that in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.